Well, good morning. That was wonderful. I was, I was, I was in the zone over there, so hope you don't mind. Ah, oh, all the beautiful people, all the beautiful people. Uh, so, I only brought twenty books with me because that's all I had that came from the publisher. But um, out there is my book, uh, Love Unlocked. Just to give you a little story of. I was writing a book on leadership because I really feel that our concept of leadership uh, in the world as well as in the church is a little bit sideways. So I got to about the seventh chapter. Now my, my title for that book is called uh, Lovers Make the Best Leaders. And I got to the seventh chapter and I was writing about three o'clock one morning and the, and the Holy Spirit said to me, what do you know about love? And I thought... <coughs> Oh, that's a stupid question to ask me right in the seventh chapter. You should have asked me the first chapter. <laughs> now I realized our concept of love is so jacked up because of what the world has done to it. And I said, well, Lord, I, I don't really know. He said, well, how about starting to look into that? So I, I started praying, look into it. And, and basically the book that I've got called Love Unlocked is, and I have to tell you, this is 105 versions before I got to the final book. I mean, it's, it's been, it was a mind bender because every time I thought, okay, I've got it, I know what it is, and then God just knocked me on the head with something else, and it's like, oh, well, it's not that, then it's this. So I want to encourage you, if you're like me and you... See, my problem is I never grew up in love. I was never loved by my parents. And no matter where I went, there was never any love. So I had no concept of what love is. So when I come to people and people say, well, I love you, I thought, yeah, well, okay, whatever. I didn't have a concept for it. But now, I've had a revelation of what God's love really is. You see, love is not a what. Love is a who. And when God says, for he so loved us that he gave, that whole concept just boggled my mind that when you love somebody, you just want to give them. You just want to bless them. You want to pour out your spirit. You want to do everything you can for them. I'm not even talking physical now. I'm talking just in every aspect. And I'm learning at my young age. I'm learning that even though I wasn't loved by my parents, and they, they just didn't have the tools because they weren't loved. And so I found it difficult. But I'm learning at this age how to love. And so if you see me tooling around here and hugging people, it's not because I'm weird. It's because I really have a love for you guys. I come down here to spend time with you because they see you as my family. And it's important for me to fellowship with you and to be around you because that's how we get to experience Him through each other. So I just want to encourage you, if you can do that, if there's books run out, that's fine. You can always go online on Amazon and get it there. And I'm going to have the audio come out soon. Uh, within the next week. No, no, I don't do the audio myself. Because I, <laughs> I have a problem. My eyes run ahead of my mouth. So my mouth is talking here, but my eyes are talking here. So then I jumble my words. Uh, I can't help that because I had a, a traumatic brain injury in the military. So sometimes it's just like, you know, it is where it is. But now with AI, I can probably teach an artificial intelligence program how to speak like me. 
It's just got that thought. <laughs> so, <clears throat> on my way this morning, I, I, I left um, DFW this morning at 4 o'clock. I love driving like that at night. It reminds me of my days in pharmaceuticals. But I love driving like that because I have time to pray. And at one stage, I was going about 110 miles an hour. I was whoa. Because I just got so caught up, you know what I mean? It's like a chariot. <laughs> Could have been Elijah's chariot, who knows? But it was just wonderful because um, the Holy Spirit started to speak to me today. And so this morning when I got here, I, I prepared a little message because I didn't have anything beforehand. You know, sometimes you have to be ready in season and out of season, right? So way back when, in, the day, in my younger days, the only way that I could experience um, acceptance from people was to perform, to be the best, to be tactical, to be strategic, to be everything that I did. I did it on a basis of performance. You know what I mean? If I wanted people to care about me, I had to pitch up. I had to be there. I had to do something to get their attention. And when I was in business, the only way that I survived was through performance. And so uh, when I went into pharmaceuticals, I had long drives. And so I used to pray a lot after I got saved. And one day the Lord was speaking to me. And you may have heard the story before. As I was praying, he said, I want to teach you to work wise, but not hard. And I thought, oh, I love that concept. That's, I'll take that. And then the radio in my car went down. In the middle of the desert. In the southwest Africa. And the road that I was on, you maybe see a car every 6, 10, 12 hours. And so I eventually stopped, and the Holy Spirit told me to go down this sand road. You never go down a sand road. You never get off a main thoroughfare in the desert, because that's where you see those, <laughs> you know, if you're watching those Western movies, you know, you see those birds flying around, they're looking to pick your flesh, you know. And I went over the hill, and I came to a little town that wasn't even on the map. And it was a town known as Gutties, which is an open hearth diamond mine. And there was a hospital there, so I, and there was a, a, a service station. So I went there and dropped my car. Now I'm really stressed because my whole rhythm and my pattern and my methodology of functioning was disrupted because I wasn't going to be able to get to my calls in time. And I had them so well set up. I had them set because I beat out all the other medical reps because I was so clever. And I was so high performance and high impact. And here I'm sitting with a car that's engines melting. So like I said, when you're in the desert, never trust a French car. <laughs> so, so I get to the service station. The guy said, well, the hospital across the road, they've got a restaurant. Go there and uh, I'll take care of your car now. So I get there and I'm sitting down. I'm having a cup of tea and breakfast. And I heard a guy call my name. And I thought, well, how do you see him? Well, I used to play rugby back in South Africa, so I played against his university. And I remember I sank them. So, because um, I was into performance, you see. Um, rugby is different to football. We don't wear pads and helmets like these girls do over here. <laughs> we don't push people, we tackle people. Just. <laughs> so. I'm going to get somewhere. Don't worry, I'm going somewhere with this, okay? Just, just, just phantom with me. That's what a pastor in Atlanta said to me when he said, just phantom with me. Phantom the opera. So 
I'm sitting there and the guy calls me and he says, hey, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm in the medical industry. And he said, oh, so sat down and had a cup of tea with me. I said, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I am the, the national buyer for De Beers Gold and Diamond and Coal Mines. I service 42 mine hospitals. I thought, oh, that's great. Still didn't connect the dots. He said, well, where's your prices? Show me your prices. So, so I walked out there with a 1.4 million rand dollar order. See, when God gives you a word, and you're still in this mentality of performance, and God gives you a word, and you don't even pay attention, then suddenly it appears within a space of a couple of hours in front of you. See, what I want to share with you today is we have not been called to perform. The problem today with the church is everybody's trying to perform. I had a guy this week call me and said, man, I really need to meet with you. I said, why? He said, I just need to know what I need to do, what my ministry is. I said, well, why talk to me? Why don't you go to the source? Well, you're a prophet. That doesn't matter. I'm not going to sit down and conjure up a word to help you. I'm not going to make it easy for you. You have to go and find out. You have to discover. See, it's easy for people to short-circuit the process. But if you don't have a revelation from God, you're wasting your time. Because let me tell you, the enemy will send you a distraction and people will give you a word that has nothing to do with your purpose. Because that's what he does. That's his purpose. He's to <laughs> confuse you. So when I look at this whole process between uh, performance versus presence. See, that day when I had that experience, when I, I eventually, I couldn't use my car. So I called the boss. I said, look, I need a new car. He said, well, why? I said, a $1.4 million order. He said, I'll have a car there by this afternoon for you. And that was a reoccurring order every month. So, I mean, you don't... So, basically, bottom line is I sat in my new car, smell of leather, at top of the range, air conditioner. I never had air conditioner in my other car. So, I felt like a king. And I sat in the car and I just realized that I was stopping God's presence by my performance. You see, performance requires faith. Actually, it requires methodologies that are not faith. Presence requires faith. So when we go and look at Elijah, I love the story of Elijah when he, when he when dealt with the prophets of Baal, how he dealt with them. You know, they, they built their, their little sacrifice and they put they cut an animal in half and they put it on there and, and they started to dance around and gyrate and scream and shout and cut themselves and Everything based on performance. Elijah just sat and then he said, well, maybe your, maybe your God's busy. Maybe he's on the toilet. And they got even more crazy and cut themselves and gyrated and carried on and nothing happened because their God did not have the power to deliver. So what he did is he upped the ante. He poured water three times on the sacrifice. And then he sat down and he prayed. And what happened? is God consumed the whole sacrifice, the stones, the rocks, the animals, everything. See, that is presence. That is knowing how to, how to maneuver in the presence of God. How to live in the presence. How to not live in a process of performance. And, and it's important for us to understand that performance-based requires your strength, your toil, your work, your sacrifice, 
when you look at the story between Cain and Abel, what happened? The one gave the offering of the work of his hands, the production of the land. The other one gave an offering of an animal. Which one was accepted? The one that wasn't something that was produced by him. See, we need to understand as Christians, in our culture, we are very performance oriented. Everybody has to perform. If you don't perform in your job, you get a bad grade. You don't get an increase. And, and so everything in culture is around performance. In relationship, it's around performance. Everything's around performance. In the political realm, it's about performance. In the church, it's about performance. We go to church on Sundays to watch a performance. How many of us go to church to experience the presence? It's a beautiful thing to just sit in the presence of the Lord. Like I talked to you about the communion. I do it every morning. And I just sit. I don't do anything crazy. I just sit and I invite the Holy Spirit and the Lord to be with me. And I inquire, what is it that you have for me today? Some days he has nothing. He just says, you know, continue with what you do. Other days, he tells me to go and do something and I go and do it. This past week, my, my daughter was in ICU. And um, when I got to the uh, hospital, they wouldn't let me into the ICU. So that's not good enough for me. I said to the doctor, I said, that's my daughter there. And I said, I'm going to go in and you can arrest me if you want. That's fine. I'm a chaplain, but I'm going to go in. I'm going to pray for her. So I spent the whole night there and she was really sick. Prayed with her, anointed her and just sat with her. And just asked the Holy Spirit to join us. I didn't shandy shandy at the devil. I didn't scream and shout at any spirits or anything like that. I just invited the Holy Spirit to come be with us. And the next morning when they did the second battery of blood tests and tests, everything came back in AD. Nothing to discover. And the doctor said to my daughter, I said, well, uh, what happened? And then she said, well, my dad prayed for me. The doctor said, that's the best medicine. See, if we understand the authority that we are called into, if we understand that we have been set apart for His purposes, and we can walk in His authority and His power, we don't need to strive. We walk by faith. We live by faith. You see, performance requires your sweat and blood, right? But presence requires your faith. To be able to sit down and calm yourself down long enough to sit and wait on Him. All those who wait upon the Lord will what? Will renew their strength and they'll mount up like wings as eagles. Why as eagles? Because that will get you above the battle. So I want to encourage you today to understand that we are here for a purpose. And the purpose is not what you think. It's not to be billionaires or anything like that. It's actually here to manifest His kingdom. I love to go to places where people don't know me. And you notice me. I'm, I'm not into all this, the, the noise. I don't, I don't enjoy all the racket people make. I like to live quiet and peaceful. I like to live in a place where I have an opportunity to share the gospel with. I don't care who and wheresoever. It's not about religion for me at all. Actually, as a matter of fact, I hate religion. Religion kills and divides people. It's about relationship 
is about presence. It's about knowing who you are, knowing who He is in you, know the purpose that He's called you to. You know, so when you look at performance in Matthew's, uh, Mark 6, it says, Jesus said to them, only in His hometown among His relatives and in His own household is a prophet without honor. He could not perform any miracles there. See, the thing is, it's a performance. He couldn't do anything there because the bottom line is there was not faith there. What was there was, well, he, isn't that the boy who lived down the road? You see the mentality? It's all based on what you do and what you should do and what you could do rather than on who you are. If you can understand that you've been created in this day, in this time, in this epoch, in this hour, for a purpose much greater than what you're doing right now, and you can sort of partner with that purpose, and you'll find in that purpose, you'll find your anointing. And all you have to do is be. There was a... Neil Diamond did a song years ago to... Um, a movie called Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Did you ever see that? The seagull tried to be an eagle and tried to fly above the altitude that it could fly. And what happened? It passed out and it started to plummet to earth. <laughs> if, if you're called to be a seagull, be a seagull. If you're called to be an eagle, be an eagle. Don't try and cross-pollinate and become something else. That's what's going on in our culture right now. We're trying to become something else. You know? Uh, so, so in this, there's the song called Be. And it goes like this, Dear Father, we see. And, and when you start listening to the song, I, I know that Neil Diamond had a revelation of the kingdom. He's Jewish, he was a cantor, but I know that he had a revelation of something that we probably have missed. Because if you think about it, if we are so dependent on God for everything, why we strive in the natural to do things ourselves? When I came to America, the instructions I got from the Holy Spirit, from my family, was don't take any connections, names, contacts, and go to this nation. And I'm thinking to myself, that is the most stupid thing you could ever do. At least you should have one contact, had no contacts. When I got here, God said, I'm going to lead you and guide you by my Holy Spirit. What did that mean? That, mean, that meant I had to get down and get in His presence to find the map the pathway, the direction, the way to go, the who to meet. And so my first day I was here, I was sitting in a hotel and I was praying. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? I'm, I'm here. And here is not there. It's here. So I'm here, Lord. What do you want me to do? And he said to me, get a car and drive down 183, go down 360, and there's a road named Carrier Parkway. Go down there. And I'm thinking to myself, Look, we didn't have GPS in those days. Okay, he had a paper map. <laughs> and so I drove down there and he said, there's a man you need to meet at this place. And there's a church there. And I thought, well, I'm going past this place and there's this cattle. There's no church. It's like out in the Bundu. It's out in the yin-yang. I mean, there's no buildings. This is out. Who would build a church out in the middle of nowhere? And then there's a road named Rob Roy. And he said, turn down this road. And then I go... Five miles down the road, there's a church. Okay, all right, so you got this one right. <laughs> and so I went in there and 
I got a name. The Holy Spirit gave me a name of a person. I went up to the reception and I said to her, do you have a man by this name? She said, yes, but he's out having lunch and he can't see you today. His appointment's full. I said, okay, well, obviously I misheard. So I went to the restroom and I prayed. I said, Lord, you brought me here. He told me to meet this man and he can't see me. And the Lord said to me, in my spirit, he said, don't worry, he'll see you. So as I walked out, I said, oh, sir, 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 his lunch appointment cancelled and his other appointments today have cancelled. Okay, I'm in the right place then. <laughs> See, it wasn't by sweat. It was by maintaining faith and staying in the presence of what he was saying. And when I met the man, you know the hairstyle that Jimmy Johnson used to have, that sort of helmet head hairstyle? This guy had that. Dressed, and I look, I was dressed in shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops. So I wasn't the image of anything that he really wanted to see, but he, he was felt obligated to see me. And he turned his chair sideways, and I was talking to him like this. And he was rocking, and I was saying to myself, I don't even know why I'm talking to this guy. Maybe I should just slap him. <laughs> because I just saw in front of me a person that had no clue. And I was asking the husband, why am I, why am I sharing this with him? Because he doesn't, he, he doesn't know you. He doesn't hear you. Now, I wasn't making a judgment. It was evident by his behavior that he didn't know what's what in the pot or who's who in the zoo. And the Lord said, I'm going to speak to him now. And the next minute, this guy flew up out of his chair. His helmet here went, Psh! and he came back with a business card. He said, you need to meet these people. Okay. That's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. By the time I found them, it was 7 o'clock in the evening. <laughs> and I only lived about 10 miles away. I got so confused and turned around. But anyway, it was time for me to pray. So when I got to the house, I knocked on the door. And the lady opened the door and she screamed and she fell on the floor. And I thought, I'm going to jail. That's for sure. <laughs> the husband came down. What happened? I said, I don't know. I said, she fell. And... She said to him, get my Bible. And she opened the Bible and she showed me and her husband. She said, on the 5th of May, 1991, sorry, 1990, God told me he's going to send a man from Africa to make a way for him. And she said, you're the man. See, that's not performance. That's presence. Where God already foreplans things for you to walk into. But because of our nature, of this fallen nature of man, we try and perform things to help God, to help Him accomplish what we're called to do, rather than wait for Him to lead us and guide us into all truth. You see, what performance does, it creates a situation where you basically have to do it yourself. You have to manifest something yourself. And invariably, when you manifest something yourself, it's not Him. And so it won't sustain. It'll pass away. And so my whole life in America, I've lived to understand how to walk and live in His presence. And listen, it's not been easy. There's been days when He's been silent. What do you do in those days when God doesn't speak to you? You remember what He said the last time He spoke to you. And you stay in that mentality. 
You don't allow yourself to come out of that, to try and make a way for yourself. Years ago, I tried to help myself get a job, and I started to prophesy out this company, and I drove by. And eventually, after 200 different people, I got the job. And the day that I walked into that job and I met the man I'm working for, I realized I was working for Satan. Why? I produced Nishmael. How did I do that? I prophesied that into existence. Why? It's because I wasn't depending on God to make a way for me. I was trying to fix it myself. I heard a good saying when I came to Texas. God is fixing the fix. You fixed yourself. Have you guys heard that? You, that's what you call I don't know what fixing it was when I came to Texas. Everybody said, well, I'm fixing to. <laughs> what, you, got, you got a s- screwdriver applied? What are you fixing? <laughs> Where I come from, we're preparing to. But yeah, you're fixing to. <laughs> fixing to fix. <laughs> I realized that I'd, I'd made a mistake. And so I started to pray, God, oh God, please help me. Save me from this thing. And three solid months, I, I, I was brutalized by this person brutalized until one day he called me and he said you're done you're out I said oh thank you Jesus <laughs> I'm, thank you and I went home it wasn't a week later doors opened for me to go in the pharmaceutical business and even though I started in the pharmaceutical business let me tell you I had no money I had no car a car was given to me I'd just gone bankrupt I'd lost everything how I would travel is I'd buy a liter of Coke and a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now, I wouldn't even touch that stuff today, but back then I wasn't where I am today. <clears throat> Sometimes you have to do what you have to do. But I'm telling you, we... I just got to share this with you. Psalm 16 says this. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I I don't know if you see the relation with Christ as something just to get you into heaven. I don't. I see it as something that is so vitally part of who I am in my life and something that I was built for, created for, prepared for, to walk with Him in this dynamic. I don't see myself as somebody who's just getting ready to go to heaven. I see myself as wanting heaven to be here where I am right now. In thy presence is fullness of joy. You know, Psalm 139 verse 7 says this, Where can I go from your spirit? You can't. Or where can I flee from your presence? See, his presence is with us. All we have to do is engage it. It's like the internet. Where's the internet? It's all around. It's like cell phone communication. It's here. It's all around. It's like electricity. It's all around. It's there. You have to engage it. You have to plug in. You have to connect. The only performance you need to do is connect. The only thing you need to do is make yourself available to Him. If you try and create that lifestyle where you're totally dependent on Him, you're going to see major shifts in your life. Major shifts. You know, in the last couple of years, I've gone through a process of, a lot of churches don't really believe in prophets. It's kind of sad, because it's in the Bible. <laughs> and I don't call myself that. He called me that. 
But it's okay because I don't care because I can go anywhere. I can go to Starbucks. I can go to Chick-fil-A. I can go to In-N-Out Burger. There's always an opportunity to prophesy over somebody. Huh? On an aeroplane, in a train, in a car, in a bus, wherever. See, I don't need to worry about the provision coming from where I need to go. The provision comes from him. When I, when I, and I, you know, I do consulting in the marketplace and, and public speaking. I don't advertise. People call me. And I think, well, where did you get my name? Oh, so-and-so told me about you. I'd like you to come to see us and speak to us. Okay. And so what I do is I, I pray and I get in the presence of God and say, what is this, what is this mission all about? You see, when I trained in the military, I trained for every single mission. Everything I do today is mission-oriented for me. I train for every mission. How do I train in His presence? Why? Because I can't use yesterday's manner to bring it to you today. Amen. I have to use today's manner. That's why I said today. I, I didn't have a word when I came this morning, but I've got one here. Some of the stuff I'm sharing. The principle of performance versus presence is a concept that we can apply to our own lives. Often we believe that if we work harder or perform better, we'll achieve success or find fulfillment. <laughs> However, true success and fulfillment comes from being in the presence of God. We cannot earn it or perform it or perform our way into it. We must wait on Him, trust Him, and allow Him to work in our lives. What that does, it takes the stress off you. That allows Him to be God in your life. That allows Him to be the one who leads you and brings you into the purpose he's brought you for. Am I right? You know, I look at football teams and these guys train and they train and they train and they train and then they play one game. And they strategize all, so stressful. Can you imagine living in that environment? So stressful. Now, you and I, every day we get up, we go to work and we we trade time for money. I always thought about it. What happened before work? Um, how did people live? <laughs> well, before the fall, they lived by the hand of God. But after the fall, men had to sort of produce from the land. But suddenly now, we have to pay to live on this earth. <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> eh? And boy, we have to pay. And not only, listen, we have a silent partner as well. You know who that is? The IRS. <laughs> it's your silent partner. You do all the work and they get the money. <clears throat> but I mean, it's just saying, everything's based on performance. Our whole culture is based on performance. No wonder why we as the saints in the church cannot enter the presence of God because we've so been indoctrinated into performance. Everything is a performance. I mean... Taking children to school is a performance. Getting children enrolled in school is a performance. What's going on in education right now is a performance. Wherever you go, it's a performance. People are posturing themselves continually. Everybody's posturing themselves. Uh, have you noticed? Or am I, is there something wrong with me? Have you noticed? Nothing comes easy. You want to sing the blues, you got to pay the dues. 
You know it don't come easy. That's a song. <laughs> and that's the funny thing. It doesn't come easy because everything's based on how you go out and do something. And I'm not against doing. Doing's fine. When you have a revelation, go out and do in the right time, you're going to be successful. But if you wait on the Lord, you won't have to do all the heartbreak and all the stuff that you have to do to get to that place. You know? And, and listen, this is just me. I'm just speaking to you as a family. You know, when they had the Brownsville revival, everybody was trotting off to Brownsville. And I, was, I said to the Lord, I don't understand. If you're omniscient and omnipresent, how come it's only happening there? And so I got this quizzical thought. Well, if you want to repent here, I'll take you there, which will cost you airfare and a hotel room. I'll take you in the hot, sweaty Florida weather with all the bugs standing in lines for hours to go and fall in front of the carpet and snot in the carpet and cry. I'll make you pay the price. And I thought, well, okay, well, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to be here and just get it here. <laughs> frequent staying miles rather than frequent flyer miles. But can, can you see what I'm saying? We have this concept. Oh, it's happening over here. Let's go there. Let's go there. And we spend all the effort money when it could happen right here. That shows you that our mentality is based on performance. When you go to a place and you see people laying on the floor in worship and you ask them what they're doing, they say they're soaking. Okay, that's fine. But when you get up off the floor and you've soaked, have you changed? If you haven't changed, well... You've got to get back and go and soak some more. Use soap this time. See, I can't understand some of the stupidity that things we do that we think are spiritual. You know? I, I, just, I just marvel at the things that we do as the church and we ask ourselves the question, why are we not having the manifestation because we're not doing it right in the presence. We're doing it through performance. You know? I was in a meeting, and I won't mention where it is, and uh, this man that came in front of me was totally demon-possessed. I mean, when he stood in front of me, I knew by the Spirit I knew he was demon-possessed. And everybody around me was praying in tongues, and they were all shaking. I said, what are you afraid of? He's got a demon. Okay, so we got the Holy Spirit. And so they said, well, aren't you going to bind it? No. What are you going to do? I'm going to, talk, I'm going to, I'm going to say to the man, hey, listen. Loose him. That's what I said. And what happened? He fell on the floor. And what happened? The thing came out. I didn't do a big shandy, shandy, Highland fling or anything like that. Loose him. Where, where did that come from? I was speaking from my position of authority of what God has anointed me to be and that thing in him recognized it and came out. See, we do all those gyrations. We actually act sometimes like the prophets of Baal. We jump around and cut ourselves and froth and spit and shout and, and there's nothing wrong. You go ahead and you emote as much as you want. It's fine with me. It's, it's your business, whatever you do. But to me, 
I believe in the silent version of attacking the situation because that's what I'm trained in, the special forces. I was trained in the silent version. Sometimes the silent version is spending more time praying than saying. And it's okay if you moat, that's fine. If you want to shout, and that's great. You go ahead and if you want to worship loud, do it. I mean, whatever will get you into the presence, do that. Because we're all different. None of us are the same. I'm not telling you to be like me. I'm telling you to be you. Be what God created you to be. Be all that you can be. Be the one that God's going to use or utilize to do the miracle that he's put in your hand to do. I love seeing miracles. I love when God allows me to prophesy our prayer for people and see things happen. It's not because I get an ego kick from it. It's because I know that his presence changes things. In his presence is fullness of joy. If any of you today here are battling and wondering about the economy, about the collapse of America, about all this rubbish that you hear on the media, do us a favor, just repent. Because you've been listening to false prophets. Yeah, and all these things may happen, and you know, the mark of the beast, and the la-la-la-la, all that stuff, whatever. <laughs> if you're going to worry about that stuff, and you get yourself a whole bunch of food stuck in a storage somewhere, and a bunch of guns and ammo, that's cool, you go ahead and do that. Because I'll come and take them from you. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but I'm just saying. I mean, seriously. Didn't he say that I'll send you my Holy Spirit who will lead you and guide you to all truth and that you'll have perfect provision that he'll take care of everything if you trust him? I mean, I'm not being funny with you. There was a lady that we knew that basically lost her husband and she had no finances. And she sat at the table with her kids, two kids, and was praying that God would bring them food. They prayed and they thanked God for the food that was coming to their table. There was a knock on the door. The next door neighbor brought out these packets of food and said to her, I heard you praying, asking God for food, so I thought what I'd do is I would make a fool out of you and I'd bring you food. <laughs> How stupid. God actually used his stupidity to meet her need. <laughs> and I thought myself, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Because she had a windows up and she was praying, Lord, we just thank you for this food. And the man knew that they were going through something. So he brought them food. Thinking, well, you see, God didn't provide food. I did. No, no, no. God did provide food. He just used your stupidity to bring it. <laughs> Can you see what I'm saying? We are the saints of the Most High. And, and we serve a king who has a kingdom. And he's given us authority in this earth to change things, to do things. And, and rather than perform and try and do something or manufacture something, let's spend time and get to know him Amen. in his presence. And uh, you'll see things will change. You'll see things will change. If you just spend time Rather than going out trying to accomplish something, rather spend time in His presence and start praying, get serious with the Lord, and ask Him to show you the dimensions that He's called you to. Because I tell you something, until I had a revelation from the Lord that day when I was driving in the desert, 
I would sweat every day, panic every day because I knew I was paid commission. I knew I wasn't going to earn a dime until I made a sale. And I had long distance, 18-hour drives to drive before I made one sale. And sometimes I didn't have gas money. I don't know how many times I was afraid to open my car door because I was afraid that the gas needle would fall out the car. <laughs> I never had gas. And that one incident there, that one revelation, has propelled me my whole life. Because I didn't believe that God could do anything. I believe, well, he, you know, he'll... Bless the labor of your hands. Hey man, my labor was just to drive. Well, if you're too lazy and you don't want to work, God's not going to provide for you. That's not what he says in his word. But that's what we've been told. That's what the pontificators and the naysayers would say. Well, we're not going to take care of the poor because they need to go and work. Mm-hmm. Okay. What did Jesus say? The poor you shall have with you always. The indictment against the church today is we don't care about the poor. God put Israel into 400 years of captivity because of their behavior towards the poor and the aliens. Oh, but that was Old Testament. Oh, okay. So I'm just encouraging you as a church. Look here, uh, the beautiful thing about freedom is we do take care of the poor. We do take care of the poor. We do take care of those who are alienated from families and relationships and alienated from their nations. We do take care of them. Listen, my nickname when I came to America by an American friend was Import. <laughs> he called me Import. I said, well, you always import good quality stuff, so I'm probably good quality. <laughs> Don't call me Import, okay? Because <laughs> now, now I is a citizen. I was American. American. <laughs> America. So, so all I'm saying is, the beautiful thing about what happens at freedom is we do take care of the poor. We do take care of the needy. We do take care of people. We pray for them, the healing. All those kind of things. Beautiful stuff. Kingdom stuff. God stuff. Every day. I mean, baptisms are taking place. People are getting healed. People are getting delivered. That comes from the presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. So I just want to release on you today the anointing of joy for the spirit of heaviness to break off the heaviness that's been working culturally against you. And do me a favor. Stop watching the media. Stop listening to those false prophets. Seriously. Good grief. The stuff you hear of the internet is just nuts. Even from some of the prophets anyway, too. Same thing. So I encourage you to spend time in His presence. Invite Him into your house. Invite Him into your life. Invite Him into your heart. Invite Him into everything you do. Yeah? Let Him disrupt the things that you have put yourself in you so that He can give you the things that He's purposed for you. Now, I believe God's a divine disruptor. And uh, if you're not doing the right thing, he'll create disruptions so that you can get into the plan and program that he has for you. He points for you what I call um, a ways and means committee. It's normally a concrete wall or failure or something. 
But it's a good thing because what it does, it gets you to reset yourself. So, Father, I pray today for your presence to come to San Angelo, to break the drought, to break the economic drought, Mm. to break poverty, to break dissolution, to break drug addiction, to break murder and violence. We pray your presence come to every single culture that's in the city. Every single color, creed, and nation that is living in this city, we pray today that this city will become a wellspring, a fountain in Texas, that water would spring forth, that life would come to the city, that men and women would find your presence addictive, that they wouldn't want to get addicted to medications and drugs, but they want to get addicted to your presence, to the flowing of your Holy Spirit, that you would set the captive free, Father. I pray in Jesus' name for the outpouring of your Spirit like never before. I speak it into existence right now. Father, I thank you that the drought over this city is broken today in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that jobs will be provided. Companies will move into the city and employ people. And, Father, that there would be joy that would flow in the streets. And all the things, Father, that has caused corruption in the city whether it's governmental officials or as politicians or whatever it is, I pray today that we put a stop to that in Jesus' name. Thank you for San Angelo. Thank you for Freedom Fellowship. I pray that you'd pour out your spirit upon this church. Lord, that you'd bring the hungry, that you'd bring the broken, you bring the wounded, you bring the worshipers, you bring them all here. Make this the... Nehos, the house of God, the residence of God. In Jesus' name, amen.